Any story with the name Shlomo in it is always going to go over big. Always going to go over. I don't know if you know this. I'm also Italian. Yes, yeah. Oh, did we talk about this? Yeah, no, I'm we're both matzo pizzas. Totally matzo pizzas, yeah. yes. Uh, it's my dad's side, which is confusing because my last name is Gelfenbein. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. That was an awesome story. Thank so you. funny. Um, okay, so let's talk Yiddish. Okay. All right. Uh, I've got a real softball for you. Oh, please. John Marco. Um, Gelfenbein. Kidding. Okay. Gelfenbein. It's like a, a naughty little boy. <laughs> you Gelfenbein. Yeah. Go to your room. It's a good guess. Actually, technically, my last name means, and I love this, Hunter of the Bone. Wow. I know. It's either back or bone. I'm always going for bone. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I meant what I said. Hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. True stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people, too. This is for everyone, except kids. Yum's the word. Shalom, everybody. Welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. And I'm Alex Fulton. Forgive me. I'm Robin Hunter of the Bone. (laughs) (laughs) And you are Alex... Fulton. Do you know what Fulton (laughs) means? (laughs) Um, It has something to do with birds, I think. Oh. Yeah. That makes sense. My my first name is a bird. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm saying it makes sense for our... I was going to say, I, where's your logic in it? For our collaboration. That's, it that, makes fair, sense. Fair, right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, at the top, you heard me doing a little Yiddish quiz with Gianmarco Sorese. Such a good Italian name. And you'll hear a little bit more from Gianmarco a little bit later in the episode. Um, but that is the God's honest truth about my name. So, you know, I've, I've been blessed. <laughs> Speaking of blessings, uh, Passover just passed, or in other words, Passover's over. Alex, did you do anything for Passover? Uh, I moved. Wow. I know. That is a schlep. Sacrilege. Oh, yeah, that too. It was a schlep. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was a lot of stairs, but it's over. Uh, I'm very thankful. I've got great friends that help me out. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see the new space. Yeah. Party at my place. It's going to be awesome. I'll bring an ice cream cake. Um, Anyway, given that Passover is over, on today's episode, we are featuring stories from one of my favorite themes. I don't know if it's one of your favorite themes, Alex, but Yom's the Word. Yom's the Word. Always one of the best shows of the year. Oh, thanks. It's really fun. It is. It's It's particularly fun because you're a goy, so I I feel like you, there's a lot of uh, fun banter I can do with you. Oh, yeah. What you said? <laughs> it's a targeting. <laughs> no, no. No, it's always it's always a good time. There was that one year where, uh, who was it? Uh, Peter Gross. Yeah, Peter Gross uh, mm-hmm. would uh, he would pause in the middle of jokes to break down Yiddish for me. Uh huh. Which is pretty funny. My people are very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it is uh, Yom's the word is always a night of Jewish storytellers. If you haven't figured it out, and we've been doing it for the past three years, it's always around the high holidays, which falls in the fall, and it's 
like Alex said, it's always a riot. Definitely a highlight or a highlight of the year. <laughs> the uh, the audience participation is at a high during <laughs> Yom's the word. You think sure. so? As as we're going to see later in the show. That is so true. But for sure. Yeah. 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 My my people can't hold back. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So whether you're Jewish or not, you will plot when you hear these stories. Do you know what that means? Um. Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like it could be. Um, it just means like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna die laughing. You're gonna fall down. You're gonna be like, oh, stop. You know. I figured. I figured by context, I was probably. Yeah, I mean that's not the official definition. What is the official? Something along you know? something along those lines. You're gonna plot like. Right. Oh my gosh. Um. Anyway, so why don't we why don't we get into these stories? Let's now? get into some stories. Awesome. First up is Stacy Curry. Stacy is a three-time Moth Story Slam winner who has also performed at the Moth Grand Slam. This is her story about how she discovered the meaning of of all things Christmas <laughs> and family after an unexpected encounter with a very well-known Daily Show correspondent. So, if you grew up as I did, the only Jewish kid in a small New Jersey town, then you know that the loneliest day of the year is Christmas. Um, Now, the thing I didn't know is I was just suffering from a bad case of FOMO. And um, this room knows what FOMO is, right? Fear of missing out. And um, the reason why I didn't know that is it was 1982 and we did not have acronyms or social media. So I just had to use my imagination And I took the magic of Christmas quite literally. And I just imagined all my friends were like levitating in this swirl of golden retriever puppies with red bows and candy. And um, the, the pain, the FOMO pain was really intense because my house was, we didn't really celebrate anything. Um, We were Jewish, but my dad lived in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which in 1982 was not a hip place to live. Um, And my mom, she just, you know, when she was home, she would just retreat to the bedroom, close the door, and eat TV dinners in bed and watch Jeopardy. So what I can tell you about my mom is that she was really good at U.S. presidents, Latin words and phrases, not so much on the Bible or sports or cooking for her children. So um, much of my FOMO centered on the food I felt I was missing out on. Like, I just imagined my friends at these tables laden with, like, all this glistening food, and at the middle of the table would be this big hunk of beef, like the kind with the bones that stick out and, like, the little frilly chef hats at the end. And I must have been anemic because I, like, fantasized about the beef. And I would um, forage around in my own kitchen for food. And we were really poor. We didn't have a lot. And um, I'd make a little festive appetizer for myself by, um, I found saltines. And I would chew one saltine until it became like this nice mealy mash. And then I would regurgitate it onto a fresh saltine and like tap it down with my tongue. And if I just had, like, a little sprig of parsley, it would have looked as good as it tasted. So um, this, this was my Christmas for 21 years until I met Jim. 
and Jim was Irish Catholic, and we, you know, had a very nice relationship. And by Christmas of that year, he invited me to spend it with his family. And I swear to God, we sit down to dinner, and at the middle of the table is a standing rib roast with the little paper chef hats on the bones. And I wanted to weep. And for the next 24 hours, it was more food than I'd ever seen in my life. And um, let's see, there was a salad with iceberg lettuce and peas and raw broccoli, and it was dressed in just mayonnaise. And <laughs> next to the spiral ham was shrimp chop suey. And his grandma Rose every year would make a big pan of lasagna, as Irish grandmothers do. And um, I didn't care that they were just like appropriating foods from different cultures. I just, I was really happy to be included in the bosom of this family. So, um, but then when I was 23, a really weird thing happened to me. Jim proposed to me. And I thought we were like way too young, but it was also August. And I just, you know, Christmas wasn't that far away. <laughs> And so I just thought I would like reevaluate in January, but I don't know if you guys have ever been engaged, but that is a very hard train to just throw in reverse. Um, so we got married, and, and, and it still didn't feel that permanent to me, but then I got pregnant three times, and, uh, and so Jim's family's Christmas became my Christmas. And I have to say, as the years went on, the food became a good barometer of our relationship. Like, year two, I could not eat that salad. That shit is disgusting. Um, by year six, like, uh, my passion for the beef started to wane. Like, it just was, it was undercooked, and it was fatty. And by year 12, I could no longer eat Grandma Rose's lasagna um, because Grandma Rose was dead. And they were still serving her lasagna, and they weren't just recreating her recipe. They, like, literally asked her to make several before she died, and they stockpiled them in a deep freezer. And I just, I refused to eat a dead woman's lasagna. So um, by year 16, I had filed for divorce. And that year when Jim took the kids to New Jersey, I was so happy. I was like, I just get back can go back to being a lonely Jew on Christmas. And I was like, I'm just going to wallow in it. I'm going to bathe in my, you know, loneliness. And um, so I did, I like, I tried to read Infinite Jest. I listened to Simon and Garfunkel, like all the things that make me contentedly depressed. And nothing was really working. And so I took my dog for a walk. And it was just this really windy day. And my eyes were tearing. And I run into this woman. I hardly know her. She's a mother of one of my daughter's classmates. But as soon as she sees me, she says, oh, you can't spend the day alone. Come to our family's house for Christmas. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. And, um, and I went home, and I, I picked up the book again. And it was like the saltines were beckoning. So I showered, and I went to this dinner. Now, I'm not going to dwell on this dinner, because I will say, though, that there are distinctions between Gentile holiday celebrations. Like Jim's family, they were Irish Catholic. It was bountiful and sloppy. This was a very waspy family, and it was, like, it was all very neat, 
but it was stingy. And I had, I had, I had like one cucumber round with a dollop of cream cheese and a slice of pimento to last me for three hours. So I got very drunk. And I was just, you know, I was ready to go home and pass out when all of a sudden my hosts whisked me into a cab with them and they said, we're going to a birthday party. And I thought to myself, like, Jesus, who the fuck has a birthday on Christmas? Well, besides Jesus. <laughs> and um, and um, we get to this birthday party, and it was, like, it was like a real party. And this was my first party I had been to since we had decided to divorce. And all the men there were, like, decades older than me, but I didn't care. And um, I start talking to this one guy, and he was just, he was so funny and obnoxious and just warm. And at one point I said to him, what are you, a comedian? And he looked at me and he was like, yes. <laughs> and, um, and so we just like, things were like kind of heating up. And I was like contemplating, am I going to like, make out with like a 60-something-year-old. And so I go to, excuse myself, to the um, powder room, and I say, what is your name again? And he tells me. So I go, I lock the door, I sit down on the toilet, and I Google Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, black. And, um, and, and the Google results come back, and they say, did you mean Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, black? And clearly, I was not watching much TV these days. And um, everyone should get to read the Wikipedia page of the person they're contemplating making out with. And I was like trying to calculate if we were two or three decades apart. And, and then I got to the portion in his bio where it said he was Jewish. And it just like, it hit me. Like the thing... I had the, the most sadness for was just, I was missing my own family and, and not my family with Jim, but like my real family before this nuclear bomb went off that sent my mom to Alex Trebek and my dad to Greenpoint. And my mom used to iron tablecloths and light candles and make latkes and kugel. And she always put it under the broiler for too long. And so the top was really crunchy but I liked it. And um, I had that family for way too brief of a time, and I don't think I'll ever stop being sad about it. But I left the powder room, and I found solace in the mouth of Louis Black. <laughs> so, and, and we did not just to like, no one leave here thinking like I had sex or dated Louis Black. I was, I was actually too old for him. But, um, <laughs> I was. But, um, you know, I went to bed really happy that night. Thank you. That was Stacey Curry. You can find Stacey on Instagram at slcurry and on Twitter at brokerbabble. Hey, Alex. Hey, Robin. Are you so excited for our next live show? Yeah, it I is really am. Awesome. I'm very excited as well. It is only a week away on April 18th, and we have got some very special guests on the show. Not only do we have Gastor El Monte, Woo! love, 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 Leslie Gashko, 
Ah, uh, yes. Yes. And uh, somebody who's new to the uh, Yum's the Word stage, but not new to me. I've known him for years. Larry Rosen, who works for The Moth. But do you know who else is going to be on the live show, Alex? Who? Ben and Morgan. Whoa. Is that the big news? Is that what you're that is the big holding news. back from? Yeah. yeah. Robin started this by saying, it's like, oh, did you hear about... No, no, I'm just going to, we're just going to bring it up during the show. Mm-hmm. So I've been on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben and Morgan. Ben and Morgan. Yeah. So Ben's birthday uh, is April 6th. So he's going to be one of the birthday guests. Excellent. And Morgan is going to tell some jokes. Oh, yes. At the top of the show. And this is Morgan. So Morgan and Ben are my, are my niece and nephew who Alex met, what, like two, three summers ago? Yeah, something like that. And uh, Morgan took a real shine to Alex. <laughs> Tell them why. What was the the very impressive thing that you did at, at the house? I think we were just swimming. Oh, no. It was because I could hold my breath, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hold yeah. your breath, swimming While the length swimming of the pool. And yeah. back. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah. she was really, really quite impressed by that. Thank and, you. Uh-huh. It's an impressive thing to be able to do. It is. It is. <laughs> I I was impressed. I was like, "Go, Alex!" I barely knew you at that point too, which is funny. Um, but anyway, there. This is their first trip to New York City. Morgan is eight, and Ben is about to be. He's going to be six by the time they get here. So one of the things, and they don't know this yet, but one of the things they're going to do is come to Yum's the Word. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. And most do, of do hear do uh, the storytellers know. Not yet. Oh, guests or no? Are you bringing earmuffs? <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll be wearing like yeah. Lori will plug into like some <laughs> device for them <laughs> during certain parts of the show. They're gonna be. We'll put them up at the, at the at the top. Yeah, um, they are our live show cold open. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> and it was really honestly inspired by the fact that a few years ago we had Morgan telling jokes. I think they were Thanksgiving jokes on one of our podcasts. And Gastor was also on that episode. And Gastor on Twitter was making jokes about, you know, Morgan and I need to go on tour together, but I'm opening for her. I don't want I don't want to I don't want to follow her. She's too good. And so there's been this really cute back and forth. So, uh, yeah, so they they will be meeting for the first time as well. So uh, I hope you guys can join us. The theme of the night is many happy returns since we've been on hiatus and We will have stories of birthday parties gone wrong, returning home, and so much more. And you can get all of the details and tickets at yumsthewordshow.com. I'm also waiting to hear about some other surprise guests. So uh, that's why there's only three storytellers on this particular night. Um, So check out the site or follow us on socials for the very latest. And when you're on our site, feel free to check out information about our Storytelling Fun 01 workshops. They're great whether you're presenting, doing a talk, interviewing, connecting with colleagues, clients, and so much more. Okay, next up is more of the Yiddish quiz that I did with John Marco. It was something I did with all of the storytellers who were on the show that night because, you know what, Yiddish is a very funny language. It is a funny language. Yeah, it is. Also, there was a woman in the crowd. Do you remember this lady? Oh, yes. (laughs) There was a lady in the crowd named um, Carol, who apparently knows Yiddish quite well. And uh, she kept correcting me in, um, we'll say, in a very loving way. 
Uh, so you'll hear her. Audience, audience participation. That's right. That's, you know, listen, when I open up to the crowd, anything's possible. Anything's possible. That's right. So especially when it comes to my people. <laughs> uh, anyway, you'll hear you'll hear her in this funny bit where we see uh, just how well John Marco knows Yiddish. This, this is a mouthful. May can neat tansen af zwei chasenes mit ein mol. You're welcome. Use it in a sentence, please. <laughs> this is a sentence, practically. That's, yeah, what? Mechanit Tonson af zwei chasenes mit ein mol. I think it's when you leave the house and it's drizzling and you don't go back to get an umbrella because you think it's going to be fine and then later you realize I should have gotten the fucking umbrella. <laughs> That's an excellent guess. It, it does, it, what it means is all those words mean take it easy. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I love that. What? Answer or attend? Oh, dance at two weddings. Is that your interpretation of this? <laughs> really? It says take it easy. Actually, it does say do one thing at a time. So you're right. Oh. Carol, give this woman some bit of honey. <laughs> I love how knowledgeable you are about this. I should have brought you up. I mean, you're doing a great job. Don't get oh, me no. wrong. I mean, you stumped the rabbi. Apparently, now I'm stumping you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That also sounds wrong. Um, that's a totally different kind of show. Still could have the same name though. Yum, yum, is the word? Yum. Next up is Gianmarco Cerese. Gianmarco is known as that guy from all of those GE commercials and a Moth Story Slam winner. He's also been on True TV, and he recently headlined at Caroline's. This is his story about his birthright trip when he takes Rabbi Shlomo to task during a game of Stump the Rabbi. Hello. Hi, Shalom. Uh, so as, as Robin perfectly pronounced, my name is uh, Gianmarco Sorezi, which is not a typical Jewish name. Um, but that's because I'm Italian Jewish, or a matzah pizza, as some say. <laughs> now, others say pizza bagel, but I, I prefer the term matzah pizza. <laughs> Although, given really how little Italian I am, it would be more fair to call me a matzah with a little dipping bowl of ragu on the side. <laughs> it was more branding decision by my mildly Italian father. Um, so my, my mother's maiden name is, uh, is Rothkrug, and she's the one who's Jewish. She grew up in, in Little Israel, Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when, she was, when she was 12, her parents uh, uh, presented two options to her. They said, you can either have a really big bat mitzvah or a really big sweet 16. And she chose the latter, and that was the end of my Jewish heritage. <laughs> um, I mean, we still celebrated, you know, the major holidays, Hanukkah and Passover, and I have found uh, many uh, afikomen. But um, <laughs> growing up, I... I didn't identify as, as a Jew, really. I didn't have a bar mitzvah. Um, I didn't go to Hebrew school. I, I, I was a Jew in nose only, I would say. Um, but then uh, a couple years ago, a friend told me about the birthright trip. And uh, I'm sure many of you know about it, but if you don't, just... So Israel does this thing where just because you're Jewish, 
they will pay for a full two-week vacation to Israel. Room, board, activities, which felt kind of fishy. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, just if you just imagine for a second, like if the Catholic Church started offering free two-week vacations to the Vatican, I'm not going to send my kid on that trip, you know? I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's, there's, no such thing, there's no such thing as a free birthright, okay? And my friends, they, they warned me. They said, look, this is all going to be propaganda. And, you know, I had my own complicated feelings about Israel and about Judaism. I mean, I, some of the things I've read about the, the Hasidic community just here, you know, oi, maron, it makes me very upset. <laughs> but on the other hand, it was free. <laughs> and, and I also, I, I was 25 at the time, and, and I really was at a, a stage in my life where I, I wanted to connect to my, my Jewish roots, because it's like, other than, than being Jewish, you know, what am I? I I'm a straight, white male. You know, and any groups formed around that fact, they tend to be hate groups. And <laughs> that's just not my scene, personally. So uh, I applied, because you have to, not everyone gets in, but uh, what they, my application was basically a phone interview, and this, this, is, this is verbatim, verbatim how that interview went. They said, who's Jewish? My mom. Uh, did you have a bar mitzvah? No. How often do you go to temple? Five times this year? My whole life. <laughs> do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And that's where they try to get you. <laughs> Truth, they try to catch you. Like you would do in middle school to see if someone had a crush on someone else. You'd be like, just answer, don't think. The sky is blue. A cow goes moo. You're not a Jew. Shit! <laughs> don't fall for that and you're as good as guilt. I promise. So I passed the test, uh, and uh, me and, and, uh, and a bunch of other New York Jews schlepped all the way to Israel. And let me tell you, this trip, I was not untoished. Okay, it means disappointed. I don't know if you paying attention earlier. <laughs> it was a good trip. All I'm saying is, like, this, it was an amazing trip. I rode a camel. I ate, I ate some of the best hummus of my life. I floated in the Dead Sea. And I even finally got my bar mitzvah. So, so what happened is, is our tour guide for this whole trip was actually a, a Hasidic rabbi named Shlomo. <laughs> yeah, the, the real name. Yeah. And, and Shlomo, Shlomo looked like uh, Shlomo sounds. He, he was like six feet tall. He was six feet wide. It's like if Frosty the snowman, instead of a snowman, he was a matzo ball, and then he just put on the hat and he came to life. That's who Shlomo was. What was amazing about Shlomo is he, he grew up like me, he grew up like a, 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 not really a practicing Jew, and then he went on his birthright trip and decided to, to become Orthodox. That's how good this trip is. Right? I'm sure he was just like eating some of that hummus. He was like, I could grow my sideburns out. I could wear a coat all summer long. That seems like a good idea. So early on in the trip, uh, what happened is we, we went to um, the Western Wall. And, uh, you know, the men and the women separated. There's a divider. But then we all sang and danced. And some people uh, told a prayer at the wall. I didn't do it because it, it, it felt like if I did, it would be sacrilegious. I don't know. It, it didn't feel comfortable. But, but a as we were leaving, um, Shlomo said to me, Oh, Jamarco, you never had a bar mitzvah. Do you want one right now? And I was like, why the hell not? <laughs> like, you know, 25 seemed like a, a good time to become a man. And... Um, <laughs> 
And so he gathered everyone around. And, and obviously, it was, a, it was a speed bar mitzvah, but we covered all the, the major points. You know, cha-cha slide, electric slide, <laughs> baby got back. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. But he told a little prayer. And then someone even found a, a chair. I don't know where they got it from, but I got to do the thing where I sat in the chair and they, and they lifted me up. And, and I, I remembered when that was happening that um, when I was in college, there was this... There was this acting professor that I really, I, I loved him. I, I, I just thought he was this great teacher, and he would do this thing uh, to, to, to break fast on, uh, on Yom Kippur. He would um, have all the Jewish students to his house, which is always exciting when a teacher brings it to the house. They're like, oh, you're, you're a person. And um, he would have all the Jewish students to his house to have this amazing meal, but he, he never invited me. And I... I it was horrible because it felt like, you know, I, I wasn't practicing, but this is, this is who I am. But, but, but when I was there and I was just like getting bounced up and down in that chair and, and I had just been bar mitzvahed at the Western Wall, I was like, you know what? Fuck that professor. I'm a fucking Jew. I'm a fucking... I, I, when I, second they set me down, I went to that fucking wall and I said a fucking prayer, you know? I really... For the rest of the trip, I just, like, I, I embraced it. I really, I leaned in. I listened to all the lectures as intently as possible. I, I, I went to a mikvah. I, I, I had sex with an Israeli soldier. I really, I did Israel, you know? I really did it. And, uh... The, the, the last day of the trip was a, was a Friday, so we had this kind of this epic Shabbat dinner. I mean, it was amazing. The Manischewitz was flowing. And um, I, I think they had run out of activities, frankly, because uh, at, the, at the end of it, Shlomo announced to everyone, he said, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to gather everyone in the common area, and we're going to play, I call, Stump the Rabbi, where you can ask me anything you want about Hasidic Judaism. But what Shlomo didn't know is that when I play Stump the Rabbi, I play to win. So he gathered us all in the common area. He opens the floor to questioning. My hand shoots up, but he calls on, on this girl uh, named Lisa instead. And Lisa was like, if anyone's going to convert to Orthodox after this trip, it's Lisa. And then Lisa's like, okay, Shlomo, why do you separate the meat from the dairy? Which felt like a real softball, you know? Like, what do you think? This is a fucking game? Come on, Lisa! So Shlomo answered, and uh, I don't know what he said. I wasn't paying attention, but uh, <laughs> the, the moment his lips stopped moving, my hand shoots up again. He says, ah, Jamago, the bar mitzvah boy. And I was like, stop blowing smoke on my ass, Shlomo. <laughs> Answer me this. How do Hasidic Jews feel about homosexuality? Yes, the room made a similar sound. <laughs> and then Shlomo explained for the next 20 minutes to a group of liberal New York Jews that when it comes to homosexuality, Hasidic Jews, eh, they're not going to have a float in the parade. Not a fan. And, and I, I'm listening to this very convoluted answer. I'm hearing all these grumblings around me. And so I just do one more question just to finish him off. I say, and also, why can't a woman become a rabbi? And that's when Lisa joins in. That's when Lisa, she goes, yeah, why can't a woman become a rabbi? And then it's just chaos. People are screaming. They're crying. Shlomo is speechless. So I think it's fair to say, I won. I stumped the rabbi. Guys, thank you very much. That was Gianmarco Cerese. You can find Gianmarco on Twitter and Instagram at Gianmarco Cerese. You know, you are pretty much always guaranteed to laugh when you use the name Shlomo. 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 Yeah. 
just like instant LOL. Right. <laughs> LO. I know. I was working on it. Yeah, it, it's not it wasn't <laughs> quite there, but I was like, ah, it's not close. There's something there. Yeah, yeah. So if you liked uh, Jen Marco's story and Stacy's story and any others we feature on the podcast, please leave us a rating and review. It's not only a mitzvah, but it will help boost our ratings. So thanks for that in advance. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein. And me, Alex Fulton. James Beer wrote our new music, and the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Carly Patrone, Jen Waring, Zach Schusterman, and Katie Riley. I'm Robin Guffenbein. I'm Alex Fulton. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Shalom! Shalom! Oh, good! That was a good one! <laughs> and, and until, until next time, time, Hunter of the Bones. Yum's the word.